Boy, I guess that's right. I guess that's all you got to do at this point is uh, just go ahead and win the whole thing. And every time you win a game, you peel a section off the Long Kruger cardboard cutout, right? Is that how it goes? Yeah, are uh, are we showing his uh, where? What part of the body are we on uh, for Long Kruger at this point? I'm I'm, I'm curious. Where where are we? Are we at the midriff tall yet? Uh, what, what what's showing? Okay, that's good. I don't know. Definitely some tall socks going know. on there. Yeah, man. In a season full of um, I don't know unexpected finishes, this one is not the Alabama game. Nothing can really compare to the Alabama game. But I don't know. It might be number two. When you look up eight minutes in the game and they're up twenty to four on a top twenty-five basketball mm. team, I, I didn't see that one yep. coming. Yeah, that was wild. I listened to a good portion of the game, T. Rowe on the call, and um, got off to a hot start. Just kind of maintained the rest of the way out, and um, yeah, just like everyone predicted, roll TCU another top twenty-five win by about twenty points or so. What ended up being like fourteen, sixteen, something like that. 14, yeah, 74-60 um, was the final, yeah. yeah. I don't know what to make of that. Uh, is it something to to be frustrated over, to look at and say, well, dadgummit, why haven't they been more consistent? Look at what they can do. Or is it just, you know, randomly they're going to put it together and just kind of the type of year it's been? Well, I mean, I guess you could have the take of being disappointed. <sighs> Seriously, why haven't they been doing that all year long? But if you have that take, you're just now going to have this take about this team. Like, that take is about <laughs> two to three months old by now, right? You, you, you know what I mean? Right. So, like, yeah. you know, what, what's what's funny about this squad is, you know, sometimes you take what happens in a game and you kind of say, well, maybe they can use this moving forward to do this, like, you think it might be a peak a little bit into the future of what's to come? That's not the case at all. Like, I would love for this team to have a very similar performance Wednesday night against Oklahoma State in the first round of the Big 12 tournament, but you literally have to take this team game by game. That's that's how you have to do it. You can't use any game as necessarily an indication of what's to come next. Each game is its right. own for the squad. Can you uh... – if they beat Oklahoma State on Wednesday night, can they celebrate? If they win, what's the protocol? Do we need to clear it with Oklahoma State before uh, well, we get excited over something? How's that they, go? They can celebrate, but they need to get off the floor in a timely manner and celebrate in their locker room, just in case OSU is conducting its senior night at the Big 12 tournament in Kansas City. Yeah, how about that? What, That's probably the big story what's of the weekend. A, what's that all about? That's... Ah, oh, man. Am I the only one that thought that that was – are they trying to do their senior night stuff post-game? Is that what it was? Yes. Is that yeah, how that's that exactly works? what it was. Yeah, and, and I guess wow. um, I heard OU was did theirs post-game. Wh- whatever. Like, you can have it post-game. That's fine. Like, OSU has the right to do so. But at the same time, when you make the choice to have your senior night after the game – you also have to know the ramifications <laughs> that were going in on that basketball game. Yeah, be prepared, Oklahoma State, if you want to do it that way. Because the opposing team, your biggest rival, is playing for a conference championship. And, yeah, they're probably going to celebrate on your home floor if they beat you on that senior night. So th- the fact that they got upset about that is a little or really a lot embarrassing for them. 
But for their coach to act the way that she did in the postgame press conference after that and make OU seem to be the bad guys in the spot, I don't know. Dude, it was it was embarrassing for them. At least I, 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 I would hope they're embarrassed about it. Yeah. Yeah, that was a bit shocking. I don't know. I mean, um, I, that's the – that seems incredibly strange to me to do your senior day stuff after a game whenever you may lose. No one – well, I shouldn't say no one. Fewer people are going to want to wait around and see the senior day stuff after a game. I, to me, that's something you handle before. Everyone's happy. Everyone's in a good mood. Give them their moment. Then go win a basketball game. I, yeah, I thought that that was wild. And to act like never in my life, I'm, I guess I'm uh, paraphrasing here a little bit, but never seen anything like it in my career. Really? Boy, uh, what a sheltered career you've had. If that's the worst thing you've ever seen, someone win the conference championship for the first time for that group in nearly 15 years, and they're excited about it. Wow. Wild. Yeah, yeah. Look, it'd be different if Jenny Baranchek gets a ladder from behind the bench immediately after the game, doesn't (laughs) shake the opposing Uh coach's hand, and gives her a middle finger on top of the ladder as she's cutting down the nets at Gallagher-Iba Arena. But that's not exactly what happened. They celebrated their win, which, by the way, it was kind of an emotional win because they did it without their best player, Maddie Williams, who got hurt. Hopefully she's okay. But, yeah, we act like that OU looked like Kenny Powers after a strikeout or something like that. <laughs> they were celebrating a conference <laughs> championship, and you're going to get mad about that? Pretty par for the course up there, if you ask me. That's what it sounds like. Well, that was wild. But uh, plenty of stuff happening over the weekend. We had... We had plenty of combine stuff come out that is worth talking about. We've um, we've got some Cruton news apparently, uh, Man, some big stuff like going on. You, you like to that Parker Thune, news, huh? That you heard earlier yeah. today. That would be a um, that would be a massive get, man. Um, it, it just kind of a random thought that I had is, you know, we keep talking so much about the schedule and the the change to the SEC and. I think it's going to be very evident with the amount of top 15 rosters that you're going to face in 2024 and beyond compared to 2023. You might face, you might face one top 15 roster this year, but that number is going to be three and higher, I think, moving forward. So if OU doesn't have a top 15 roster right now, this recruiting class, I would hope, is going to go a long way into boosting that to whatever it's ranked right now to, you know, to even higher than that because it, it's just the, the the level of roster that you're about to face is going to be considerably different for sure. Boy, you want to talk about a, a difficult task. Try and place a rating or a, um, a ranking, rather, on OU's roster. Now – if you go by stars, then they're a top 15 roster. But a top 15 roster that went six and seven, like I don't know how exactly you would rank the roster right now. So uh, it's a good point. By the time you get to the SEC, you better have a good idea of where it ranks because 
um, you know, you'll be facing some teams that we all know exactly where they stand, top five, um, you know, and, and several others that are going to be in the top ten. So you better have a, a top 15 roster at minimum. I'd prefer we have – and we may have a top seven, eight type of roster by that point if things continue to go on the current trajectory. Well, you, you tend to think uh, year three is going to be – like that's I I think we both think they're going to be better this year. Hopefully they're a lot better than a year yeah. ago, and I, I I would agree with this. I mean I guess you were just kind of the first to make the point that you think year three though like that's that's the team for this staff. I do now. The timeline ends up kind of being a little bit weird on year three because of of quarterback and kind of how it unfolds with Dylan Gabriel and uh, and Jackson Arnold. But I think the rest of the team is going to be geared up and ready to roll for year three. And, um, you know, hopefully we have either Dylan Gabriel coming back off of a, a really nice year or we've got Jackson Arnold who has played some, uh, hopefully some maybe meaningful moments, but, you know, not, not. I don't know. I, I guess there's a there's a situation that could unfold where you have uh, Jackson Arnold comes in and and plays meaningful moments, and you still have a, a really nice year. He could step in and do really good. Um, I just right now I'd prefer that Dylan Gabriel take all those snaps, but that could obviously change. But going into to next year, hopefully offensive defensive lines massively improved. Um, you know, skill position guys, I just – I haven't really ever worried about with Oklahoma. And, you know, defensively, secondary, safety position, I think we've got a good group of backers right now. I, I think everything is pointing to being in a, in a really, really good spot next year as long as we got the, the arm in the pocket to be able to pull it off. Yeah. And you got to feel uh, good about that t- right now too, right? Sure, I do. 580, girl, Jenny. Next time, plant a flag, too. Congratulations, Big 12 champs. They will play up there next year. Yeah. You just bring a flag next time around and plant it at midcourt instead? Like, we'll show you a real celebration next time. I don't know. I, I guess you hang your heads and walk off the court and then throw a party in the in the locker room. I have no idea what the what the protocol is. Here's what I've always said. And this is whether uh, you're on the winning end or the losing end. I, you're supposed to celebrate wins. Now, I, I think there's a there's a way to do it respectfully, but you 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 lose all ability to complain whenever you lose, right? If you don't want someone celebrating on your field, on your court. On your diamond, you win the you win the game. That's it, right? It's easy as that. Yeah, yeah. Fred says I heard they were only on the court for sixty nine seconds. Jeez, nine one eight OSU, OSU, and then uh, Karen Hoyt. Oh, you guys are calling her Karen now. Was chewing her gum at the post game press conference. This one from the nine one eight. All while she was smacking her gum in the mic. I, I don't know if you uh, saw the post-game press conference or not. We're going to play that audio at the top of the 4 o'clock hour, but some were a little bit turned off with the smacking of the gum during the post-game press conference. Well, 
I don't know. There's probably some nervous energy with that, frustrated, angry, and and maybe that's where that that came in. I don't know. I think I think everyone's always a little bit heated after a game, after something happens and you lose and then you'll take any any type of slight maybe towards you a little bit more so than you should after something like that. I, I don't know. I don't know anything about her as a coach. Don't know how like, she's typically conducted her, herself, I would imagine, pretty good to be in that type of position. But it just seemed like a bad moment. I To make that big of a fuss out of someone celebrating winning the Big 12 championship for the first time in, in uh, what, 13, 14 years, I I don't know. We we gotta we got to have a little bit thicker again. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. Kendall says, congratulations, Jitty. Uh, wish that uh, they would have cut down the nets there at GIA. Yeah, they waited till they got back at Norman to, to cut down the nets yesterday. So, uh, wh- whatever. It's it's done. It's passed. I, I, I hate a little, or I actually hate a lot, that that is what's getting the most attention out of uh, OU winning their first uh, conference title in, in yeah. several years now. That, that was – those. Have, like what? Yeah. What did Jenny keep saying? The, those seniors, their freshman year, they won. What was the number? Was it like uh, they they didn't win very many? I think they six conference games, maybe. And they won 16, 16 this year. Like, regard, they they weren't great their first year, and now they end their career winning the Big Twelve. Like that's that's big time. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It is. It's it's incredibly impressive, and I don't know what's the. Do you know what the prognosis is on the injury? No, I don't. Um, they may find out today, but it, I hope I'm wrong on this, but it kind of seems to be a feeling like, oh, man, I, I hope that this isn't, like, very serious. I hope that yeah. this is one well, that I she hope can come it's back not. for. It's, a, it's an incredibly dangerous team, and the way they score, I think they're they're kind of made for tournament play, aren't they? Um, score from so many different options so i don't know we'll see i'm excited i'm happy for him uh quick turnaround for for just two years some impressive stuff so we'll see i uh, think we're uh moving in a good direction there without a doubt hey i thought this was interesting uh to transition uh-huh. a little bit here how about old sarkeesian down at texas Going ahead right away and confirming that old Ewers and Arch Manning are in a competition for the quarterback job. Well, you know how that one went down, right? Uh, he was probably at a private dinner with uh, about, you know, a handful of boosters or something, you know. And at some point during the dinner, they probably turned to Sark and said, hey, so what's your plan at quarterback, huh? Yeah. Like, what, what do you feel? And he probably said something to the effect of, well, I mean, Ewers played well in some spots. I mean, he's our guy moving forward. I'm sure he was basically told, no, that's not how it is, actually. You're going to go out after the first day of spring football and say all positions are up for grabs, especially, or even the quarterback. So I, I'm sure Sark was told yeah. it's an open battle. Sark isn't the one telling you that. Yeah. Yep. Well, I don't know, and, and you know, we've kind of talked about, it, and I've said all along that he's got a quarterback battle on his hands, whether he wants one or not. That's just how that thing's going to unfold. 
when you have a name as big as uh, Arch Manning's in there. So, I don't know. Fascinating stuff. All right, let's hit a quick. Which, by the way, what's going on? You're in Verdon today? Yeah, yeah. I'm at the uh, press box of the uh, Sistine Chapel of Oklahoma High School Baseball, Teddy. Roy Edwards Field Mm. here in Verdon. Uh, My high school baseball coach who won over 1,100 games here at Verdon High School. Top 10 all-time in Oklahoma high school history. No big deal. He's also a Hall of Famer. Uh, he's being honored tonight, so that's. Uh, I wanted to be here for that, and uh, maybe we can get him on the show later on today, and you can make fun of how bad of a very baseball cool. player I was or something. I don't know. That's very cool. That's awesome. I'm guessing that press box, uh, even even Verdon baseball press box better than Oklahoma's <laughs> football press box. <laughs> yeah, there's at least cold yeah. water in here, which would make it better than OU's, I think. So. <laughs> uh, all right. Quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hit the text line, 651-3439. Hanging out Newcastle Casino today. Come out and see us. It is the rush on the ref. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. Something very interesting was said at Brian Kelly's press conference earlier today, the head coach at LSU, and I bring it up because it could have an effect on OU and the future scheduling in the SEC. So let's back up a little bit here. Do you remember Saban's comments on Friday about how he seemed very upset that there's rumors that he's going to play LSU, Auburn, and Tennessee as his three permanent opponents in the SEC? Remember that on Friday? Sure. Yeah. Okay. And then Ross Dellinger tweeted out what the three permanent opponents will be for every SEC team in 2024. And sure enough, he had the exact three for Alabama – as uh, what Saban was complaining about. He had Texas, Missouri, and Florida for OU, so we spent a lot of Friday's show talking about what that would look like, a a potential rivalry with OU and Florida. And then Brian Kelly uh, said earlier today, he was asked about the nine-game SEC schedule. He said, quote, I want to play the best. I came down here to the SEC because I wanted to play against Alabama. I want to play A&M. I want to play Auburn, the great teams. And in our new scheduling – we get to play Alabama every year, Ole Miss every year, and A&M, end quote. So Brian, Brian Kelly basically just said with that, we're going to play Alabama, Ole Miss, and Texas A&M in our three permanent opponents. Well, go back to the Ross Dellinger tweet on Friday, and sure enough, that's how he, who he had LSU playing as his three permanent opponents. So now that two coaches publicly have talked about it, what are the odds that these schools actually know the scheduling format and who their three permanent opponents are going to be. Well, it it sounds pretty solid, doesn't it? I yeah. I don't I wouldn't I wouldn't say Nick Saban would be outwardly complaining about something that was just some media personality's guess at what may happen. Right? For him to actually come out and be critical of it. That means, like, I don't think anything's official, but I'm sure that that has been floated throughout the athletic departments across the SEC as what their proposal is that perhaps there's May meetings that they have coming up. But, you know, again, just speculation for me. I don't know. Dellinger has has been pretty accurate recently and has been pretty locked in and he claimed in the article that it's from SEC insiders. Now, 
when he says SEC insiders, I don't think he's talking about Paul Feinbaum. I think he's probably talking about people in the league office. So I would I would say that, you know, barring something that goes down at the at the league meetings, and if you continue to hear more and more people getting upset about it, which doesn't seem like that's going to be the case, then I feel like that's, that may be what you have locked in. Yeah, well, I mean, I say it, it, it could affect or uh, has an effect on OU because it feels like this whole Florida thing, which we first kind of heard about it, what, a month ago or so, it's gone from a, you know, fun conversation to – is it fair to say that it kind of sounds like a real possibility at, at, at this point? It seems like that to me. Uh, yeah, a fair possibility. I would I would say it's it's stronger than that. I would say that's how you operate until you hear otherwise, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, if the two coaches came out and said, "Here's what we have," and that's exactly what Ross Dellinger had, and he has SEC insiders and. Yeah, I, I would say that it's, yeah, a very good possibility that OU is playing Florida every single year, which has me hyped. I'm in the 50% of the you know, uh, let's play Florida because the, the other half, as we found out Friday, wants Arkansas instead. I mean, w- whatever, but it's, it's just interesting. Right. Yeah, you know, here's the other thing. I don't know unless, like, I just saw the quote. Unless there's like audio or a full breakdown of the the conversation, like I don't know how it was posed and how like he totally responded. If he's at a press conference or talking to an individual and they say to him, "It's reported that you're going to be playing Ole Miss, Alabama, and Texas A&M as your as your three schools," what do you feel about that? I mean, the natural answer is to say, well, if that's who it is and that's who they put us with, I'm happy about it. I came down here to play uh, teams like Alabama, teams like Texas A&M. So bring it on. Give us the best of the best. So if he's just kind of responding to something like that, then maybe you don't make as much off of it. But I don't know. I tend to It, it doesn't sound like that was towards, the case, though. And I don't have the audio of the question, but it says Brian Kelly on nine-game SEC schedule. It doesn't say anything about the three permanent opponents. And at the end, his comment was, and in our new scheduling, we get to play Alabama every year, Ole Miss every year, and A&M. It really sounds like he brought that up on his own about the three permanent opponents. Yeah. Which just makes me feel that Ross Dellinger, if it's not – 100% 100% accurate what he put out Friday. It's probably really close to it. And if it's really close to it, I don't think that you just throw out OU in Florida as a wild guess. There, there's going to have to be there's going to have to be some real talk there. He must have heard some real talk that OU in Florida was a possibility. I, I don't know, man. I, that thought gets me excited, and I don't think that he just throws out that out there for nothing. That, that, that's got to have some real legs to it. Yeah. No, I think so. Dellinger's not someone to just float something out there. Now, he did put a disclaimer on it whenever he, I, I don't think reported is the right word. He did put a disclaimer on it whenever he, he threw the list out there saying, hey, nothing is official, but this is what I've uh, heard with from SEC insiders. So, 
I don't know. I'd say I'd say it's probably pretty good info. Yeah, I guess uh, Nick Saban has said that, you know, he's always wanted to play the nine-game conference schedule in the SEC, and now with the 12-team playoff, apparently he's like, let's play 10. Let's play 10 SEC games. This is all about, yeah. you know, getting the most exciting product on the field, which I, I love this take. I mean, as a fan, I love this take from Nick Saban. He's saying, look, I don't – no one wants to see us be a 45-point favorite against someone in late November that's not an SEC team. Let's play 10 SEC games right. because that's what's most important, right, is the product. So Brian Kelly um, sounded like he had a very similar thought to that. He said, I want to play the best. I came here to the SEC because I wanted to play Alabama. Uh, excuse me, here, that's the wrong quote. He, um, he said that he was unaware of Saban's comments, but he said, I've been in this for three decades, and no respect to any of the other schools that we play outside of the SEC, but they just don't excite me, In quotes. <laughs> So it sounds like he's very pro playing as many SEC games as possible. Well, of course he is. That's where he took his family, down to Louisiana. Has he practiced the Cajun accent a little bit more? Is is he locked in yet? Has he been indoctrinated down there? I would say that's LSU's biggest question mark going into the offseason, wouldn't you? It's not replacing Kayshawn Booty. It's probably his accent's got to get a whole lot better. He's got to work on that, man. Yeah, I think we're going to have a full transformation. Uh, by the time we join the SEC, Brian Kelly's going to sound like Boss Hog off the Dukes of Hazard. It's going to be great. <laughs> probably wearing the same outfit, too. Yeah. Did, didn't Boss Hog <laughs> wear all whites in Dukes of Hazard? All white, pull up in the white caddy convertible. Uh Sweet. That's awesome. I love that. Uh, Steve Stutzman checks in on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, and he says the Stutzmen are excited for the Gators, four exclamation marks. That'll be uh, yeah, Steve's how about closest that? destination out there. That'll work out very nicely for him. No kidding. That's awesome. And uh, appreciate you for breaking the news, uh, Mr. Stutzman, that no matter what type of season – uh, one Dan Stutzman has, he will be staying at the University of Oklahoma for another season, his senior season, to be playing in the SEC. Is that what that was? Was that breaking news already locked in? Did he tweet, did he tweet that out this weekend or something? I, I guess I missed that. No, no, no. I'm just saying, like, he's saying they're excited for it. Oh, well, that's not going to okay, be until okay. the 24th well, season. I, I was wondering because I got um, – why I asked that is because I got a DM. Dude, I, I mean, in, in how many rumors do you hear throughout the year? It was like 75% through the season, something like that. Hey, is there any – are you hearing anything at all about Stutzman transferring at the end of the year? And my response was, there is no way in hell Danny Stutzman is leaving OU at the end of this year. Are you kidding me? Like his head coach is the best linebackers yeah. coach in all of college football. He's really starting to hit his stride. Like he's going to be the dude in the middle of the defense next year. There's no way that he's transferring. So I, I, I didn't know if the, something was uh, jokingly said about that. That's why I asked. No, well, I don't know. I, I was just joking. Um, well, I know this. If, if they continue to recruit and attract those, uh, those defensive linemen, the way that they have on the recruiting trail and on the uh, 
and in the transfer portal, he's going to want to stick around for that season because as that group gets better, it will reflect his play a million times uh, better. So, yeah, good stuff. Still, I, I still believe gearing up for, for 24 to be a heck of a year. Not to look past this year. I think they should have a really good year this year too. But, yeah, things are trending up. All right, we, we're late for a timeout. Quick break. More from the rush. Coming up, a couple of segments left here in Hour 1 from Newcastle Casino. Stay with us. Some it is the rush of the ref. Tyler McComas is Teddy Lehman. Let's go to the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Greg from Lawton says, Arkansas does nothing for OU's recruiting reach. Florida is needed to improve slash expand their recruiting base. I understand it's not drivable for some, but OU's future success is obviously tied to recruiting. Not to mention it's what's best for the show in OU2. Greg gets what's really important here, uh, what's best for the show. I agree. It's what's best for the show. It's what's best for recruiting. It's what's best to develop a second rivalry. I see uh, all the benefits to playing Florida every year. Yeah, playing playing big games in, in Florida every other year and in Texas against um, obviously, the Longhorns, those are the two states that you'd like to have your best representation in. And if you can go, if you beat Florida every year and uh, hopefully beat Texas every year, like that's that's a really good place to start whenever it comes to winning those two states. 918, I think Greg Sankey's long-term plan is to break these 16 institutions away from the NCAA and form their own league, own championships where they only play each other. Huh. How do you feel There's about been a lot that? of talk of that. SEC only playing well, SEC? Hmm. I, there's been a lot of people mention that. I mean, that, that's been floated out quite a bit. And I think it's dumb. I, you, it does you no good to set up a perimeter around your conference and not play anyone else across the country. I th- Listen, I think the SEC is really good. But winning the SEC is not a national championship. And to pull yourself out of that conversation, I think, would be incredibly stupid. Yeah, I don't I, I don't love the idea of that either. Um, but who's to say, like, I, I think they could pull away from the NCAA. I just think the Big Ten might be there, too, to, to do it with them <laughs> if it's like uh, two 16-team leagues. Sure. Maybe everyone pulls well, and, away from the NCAA within the next 10 years. That won't surprise me. Well, that's kind of been the conversation is, you know, these these super conferences are going to, once they can maybe get it set, the next step is to start to – meet and have the conversations about what exactly are the rules that we want uh, whenever it comes to recruiting and timelines and uh, transfers and NIL and and playoffs and all of those things and bowls. Like how do we exactly want all those things to go down? And if we can reach a consensus, we'll just we'll just govern ourselves. Uh, there's there's no need really for the NCAA to be there if we can all agree between ourselves as to how we want this thing to unfold. But you know as well as I do, 
it's very, very difficult to get everyone in a room together and to agree on all the different things that they have to agree on. Uh, that's true. Uh, Sean says, is simple geography the answer to the odd obsession a segment of the OU fan base has with Arkansas? Because other than that, it brings nothing to the table. Yes, Sean. I think that's what I it. gathered on Friday that's from the text line, yes, that's 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 it. It's a very drivable game for a lot of fans, which is fine. But I mean, yes, you're you're right on that. Well, I, I think there's maybe a couple of things, and maybe they're all mixed together in, you know, different ways. Number one, the drivable aspect that that's that's on everyone's mind. And I think there's a, a group of those people that believe that Arkansas is a really good, credible matchup for Oklahoma. And I think that's just going off of uh, just a couple of seasons here recently, right? That, that you're, you're maybe – you don't necessarily want to tie yourself to that long-term because they've been pretty bad for over a decade. Um, or I guess not right around a decade. Um, and then I think there's another side that thinks Missouri got a good chance to beat them every year. Arkansas got a good chance to beat them every year. Then we got OU Texas. Like, let's try and stack as many winnable games as we can as our uh, every year battles just to help our our overall record whenever you, you get into your remaining six games that you're, you're mixing it up with the rest of the SEC. So I think everyone kind of falls into some of those categories there. Yeah, and I, I think there's this thought, too, that Arkansas would develop into a rivalry. Yeah, maybe. I, I think I would argue that I think Florida has a better chance to be accepted amongst the entire fan base as a rivalry than Arkansas would. And what I mean by that is, Yes, Arkansas geographically makes a lot more sense as a rival, but you know how OU fans are, man. Like, you have to be a certain level of program for this fan base to acknowledge you as a rival. Like, look look no further than Oklahoma State, right? How many OU fans don't consider OSU a rival? There's a there's a pretty, pretty decent member of that. Florida obviously sure. has a lot more history than Arkansas does. I understand that Arkansas was a – better program in like the 60s but you you respect florida a lot more like florida is the level of program that i think this fan base if we're really looking for a second rival they're a level of program where you would say yeah yeah, yeah, okay i will accept them and acknowledge them as a rival well in order for it to be a legitimate rival there's got to be something on the line like whenever we play texas there's something on the on the line, right? Yeah, obviously bragging rights, sure, but uh, the the crown for recruiting in the state of Texas, right? To show that you're the dominant team, and uh, if you want to play big time football and you want to win the OU Texas game, you come to this school. So with Florida, I think there's something similar on the line. Now we're not neighbors like we are with Texas, but there's a lot of really, really big-time recruits in Florida that you could consider to be on the line in that game every year, right? So 
I mean, that's that's where you start to develop something. We've we've lost a national championship to them, so there's already uh, a a seed that's been planted years ago, and you'd like to have redemption for that, um, and and prove you're the better program. And what's better than having an opportunity to beat them every year? Poor Missouri. This is a conversation about Arkansas and Florida mostly, and Missouri's taking all the uh, taking all the haymakers on the text line right now. I just swap out uh, Arkansas for Missouri, and then problem solved. That's that's a that's a big take going on right now. Gunny also wants to know: yeah. Can we just play Missouri at Arrowhead? I. It, it, I would expect the game at Arrowhead. Like they're not going to play Mizzou at Arrowhead, and he's he's joking, but. Even if it was in the month of October, I would still expect it to be about eight degrees at Arrowhead because that's my only other yeah. experience there. Now, we can play our games that are supposed to be in Missouri at Arrowhead, but not the yeah. games that are supposed to be in Norman. I, I'll agree like to that, but I'm not, uh, I'm not neutral siding anything other than OU hey. Texas, or at least I don't want to. Hey, we got to hit a quick break. Uh, once you spend this time out thinking if uh, Chris Beard has any chance to be the next Texas Tech head basketball coach when they hire one here in a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, I uh, that whole situation is wild. And I don't, I don't know what was said. I don't, I don't know if anyone does at this point. I haven't, I haven't seen it yet. So, well, he, I don't he know. quoted that I, Bible verse, obviously. And, but, he apparently also like spit well, on a player, the verse. right? Oh, I'll really? Yeah. I, there, there's okay, a, I haven't seen all of that. Yeah, it, it, isn't it amazing? And we got to hit a timeout, but isn't it amazing when you know Tech had unrealistic expectations of their basketball program after making it to the national title what four years ago or so? When you start losing and the new head coach isn't winning, woo! It's interesting how uh, certain stories tend to tend to leak out, huh? I think that's what's happening here. Oh yeah. That's right. All right, let's hit a quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We'll wrap up our number one next here from Newcastle. Cave's Construction bringing you this hour of the rush. If you have a, an emergency repair, Cavens is on the call 24 7. Check Cavens Construction out. CavensConstruction.com. Are you uh, ready to break the news that Chris Beard's going to be the next head coach at Texas Tech? I, I know the thought of that is a little crazy, but I don't know if Texas Tech. I'm not defending what he did, okay? I'm just saying purely as a basketball coach, I don't know if Tech could hire a better basketball coach this, that with their next head coaching uh, search than uh, Chris Beard. Yeah, that is um, – that's interesting. I don't know. Uh, what is that relationship like after the um, – after the old breakup they had, you know, whenever he went to Texas, that – didn't that rub everyone the wrong way down there? Yeah. Are they well, Teddy, to... you watched the same game I did a little over a year ago when Texas Tech bought up like half of the tickets in Austin just to go down there and rub it in, in, in his face that Tech might win that game and boo him again. So, yeah, it's, 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 well, at least with the fans, and I'm going to guess the administration as well, I'm going to guess that that relationship is on very bad terms at this point. At this point. Yeah. Well, I don't know. That whole that situation seems um, seems interesting. Everything's going to start 
creeping up and coming out. And I don't know. Don't know the guy at all. Don't know what type of coach he is. Don't know what he has said or done or any of his antics. I will just, uh, I guess, watch and wait and see what comes out. So you're not reporting Chris Beard to Texas Tech? Is that what we're getting at? I don't want to break the news too early, Tyler. Okay. Don't want to break I'll, the news. I'll, I'll say too that early. he probably ends up in an SEC school, say uh, Ole Miss. I, I agree with Sean on the text line. He, Chris Beard is coaching next year, but not at Tech. Yeah. All right. Quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hour number two is next. <laughs> 